sync ratios. Yes. Uh, ben Collins. Luke Vietrowski. Yes. Back again for episode 12. 12. Yeah. 12. The value of a miracle, a.k.a. She said, don't make others suffer for your personal hatred. Which we looked up, and I don't, I don't I mean, think that is a reference to it. Anything. I didn't see anything immediately. I, it, it seems like it would be from something that I don't know. Because so. they do a lot of stuff, and will there's I know uh, Harlan Ellison mm-hmm. title uh, comes in in one of the later episodes. Um, so there's a lot of references to other things, literary things. Mm-hmm. But I guess that seems to be just a yeah. I mean, it's specifically talking about Ritsuko talking to Misato about. Mm-hmm her wanting revenge on the angels or yeah. as Misato reveals, maybe revenge on her father when uh, she's forcing a plan through. Mm-hmm. But, but well, yeah. yeah, I mean, we should just, I mean, yeah, give us the credits. Yeah, we can. We'll no, we'll do in. the credits. So the script is uh, Akio Satsukawa and Hideaki Anno. The director is Hiroyuki Ishido. First broadcast was uh, December 20th, 1995. Wow. Right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas episode. The is value it? of a miracle. No, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Uh, lots to discuss. A lot of shit happens in this. Um, I mean, the biggest I mean, the stuff biggest is the beginning. beginning. The very beginning. And so, so, our it, first look at our, Second Impact. Yeah, it's our first, you know, year 2000. Uh, it's the South Pole, right? Antarctica. Antarctica, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're seeing a flashback. Uh, to the Katsuragi Expedition, which I don't know if they've used that term or not. Yeah. But this is the Katsuragi Expedition, and we've, we've, Misato's father. We find out that Misato's father was involved in that expedition that was the contact with an angel that led to the second impact. But this is the first time we see any of that, and we see the giant of light, which we've seen in the credits. Yep. They haven't used that term yet either, but it's one of my favorite Which is actually from Ultraman. Oh, is it? That makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. This is the giant of light from the Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely... Oh, oh, sorry. We have a play. The, the opening shot is a shot from two thousand one, like the 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 one like the moon in the foreground. But then you see the yeah. like the ex- is that the explosion happening, or is uh, that maybe, just the sun behind the planet? Because you get these these excellent shots of, yeah. from very far away when you see the second impact happening. But yeah, you see a building break apart. You see Misato's father placing her in the, the safety capsule. Yeah, fourteen year old Misato, who looks very similar to the adult Misato, but. Uh-huh. You know, and we see that she wears the same necklace. That's like a you know we sort of learn that. Did he that give that necklace to her? I can't remember if they've covered that part yet, but we see that she's wearing it in this, and that when she's getting dressed, later. she's holding it yeah. in the when she sort of wakes up. Yeah, but we but see the fucking wings. It's fucking. I mean, like it just looks like they're in the middle of you know a nuclear war zone. It looks fucking crazy. I mean, he's like dying. He puts her in the thing. He basically collapses dead. He's like bleeding and stuff on top of the thing. We see the wide shot of like, yeah, just just the absolute swirling chaos shriek. emanating from the thing and the wings. And then she wakes up floating in the pod on the like the ocean, which I just thought was so terrifying because it's just like, what like what do you do? You just go back in the pod and hope someone finds you. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do. It's like just you know being on a life raft in the middle of the ocean kind of thing. And and then yeah, we just cut the to scale her, of you know. it, the mm-hmm. the cosmic scale of it we're getting into some of that crazy shit which is something that always hits me about this show so much the the scale of i don't want to say too much but uh, yeah yeah i just just the, this the, this the, makes the amount me... of destruction the amount like the 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 and this whole this whole episode has this stuff because there's some space type stuff in yeah. this and everything like that. And it's in and, and yeah, so we see that. We then we cut to Misato like uh, you know getting dressed in the mirror and we see her scar we on see her the chest scars that she got from that whole yeah. incident. Yeah, yeah. So this is all you know. Uh, it's I, I guess you'd call this a Misato episode. I mean, it's, it's a lot about yeah. I mean, there's some Shinji stuff too, but it's because like, there's also this bit about her promotion that that Kensuke and Toji have come over. And they're the first ones who notice, not Shinji and Asuka who live with her. Mm-hmm. They haven't noticed yet, but that Misato now has two bars on her little lapel. Mm-hmm. And that means that she's been promoted. To major, I guess. Yes. Major Katsuragi now, yeah. She was commander before? So I think so. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so we get some, you know, just some, some you know, at-home business of, of you know, them all in the morning and... and Shinji and Asuka feeling kind of silly for not noticing and then sort of scolding, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 Toji and Kinsuke, like, scolding Yeah, from them. captain to major. Yeah, that, well, that, that, you know, she works so hard. Like, she really, you know, like, you guys, you know, should appreciate her more and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's fun. Um, 
And then what happens the, from there? We sort of get into kind of a pretty quick jump into like a into angel yeah, stuff. Yeah, the monster of the week plot kind it's of. So Hawkwheel is this angel? It was a very impressive one. Yeah. Well, and this is again the eyeball weird eyeball motif that we saw last time with the Matariel. Um, but Sahakwil is the angel of the skies, I believe. Oh, surprise! From surprise! Apocryphal books, yes. Who comes in this one in from space? It's yeah, like in space. In space. And we don't know if it's from space, but it is certainly. Yeah, in yeah. Space. Sorry, say it appears in space over the Indian Ocean, and uh, you know, is is just this enormous floating kind of triptych eye thing it's a real and it's so it's strange it's getting surreal we're starting to we're getting into the more and more surreal territory well i think this isn't misato even comments on it when when they this, see this it, is ridiculous yeah this is getting ridiculous i, I, I assume that's in reference to what the fucking thing looks like but yeah, I, yeah I'm not sure. I, t- I take it as like a self-aware thing so. that they're that they're pointing out that like the angel design is just increasingly bizarre at times yeah. and, and that that's so a good. bit of a wing we there. talked a little bit about the video games but this this angel there's a game called ava battle orchestra it's a ps2 it's like super smash brothers but with evangelion characters and you can play as that thing and really? it is the most hilarious because it's like a smash brothers situation just jumping on uh, and like whacking you with its mm-hmm. floppy orange arms <laughs> it is really a good time all the a lot of the angels you know because they they're not built to have yeah to like, interact you know, in a traditional fights, fighting yeah, way yeah, yeah. so that you play as some of these like i think leliel is another one that's in there it's like really weird we haven't seen leliel yet but um they do a sync test and shinji does really well and gets some praise from misato and some disdain from asuka mm-hmm. this idea of praise and shinji processing praise is going to be important to his arc this episode because yeah because because we've established in previous conversations and it's you know brought back to the forefront in this episode that asuka really likes to be you know she wants to be the best that's her goal and she likes to be recognized Show as the her best value to the world and, and so that's the thing where it's like she you know in this particular test that they're doing like she's the highest of them but shinji's made the most progress and so he's oh, right. being singled out for like oh no but like like it's a really impressive progress that he you know this is amazing and she's like yeah no but i'm still better and they're like yeah but you know it's worth <laughs> recognizing it's you know blah blah blah. most improved that's not a yeah thing. yeah yeah and, and and it's you know and it, and it underscores you know and ray he, gets the participation trophy yeah exactly per- perfect ray. attendance right <laughs> She doesn't care, so it's fine. Attendance. But you know, Shinji says later to to Masato when they're driving home that you know he's uncomfortable being praised that way, and Asuka seems to really, really enjoy it. But you know, it's not really his thing. This is the first time that Asuka answers the question of why do you pilot Ava? Because yes. he's asked Ray, now he asks Asuka, and it's he sort of gets like the <laughs> he he at least puts words in her mouth and says like to prove that you exist. Yeah, because her answer is just. He's, <laughs> to show off her you know her talent for the world mm-hmm. that basically yeah she just wants to be the best and he's like oh so to prove you exist and she's like yeah i guess so which is good in all things I, I might have mentioned that you know in terms of screenwriting and definitely all things that i think about and apply you know why do i do this and mm-hmm. is it to prove that i exist i think that's a that's a good that's a good one it's <laughs> a good answer yeah i don't really have one an answer i can't remember if i ever answered that um but if you listen on the radio too, in that scene in the car, it seems to be somebody talking about, you know, uh, surviving in the post-second impact world and like this generation. There's a lot, a lot of generational stuff in this mm-hmm. one too. But it's somebody on the radio. I was having a hard time reading both subtitles of Misato yeah, it's and Shinji and the radio. But the radio stuff is worth sort of going back and looking at because it's somebody talking about how lucky people are to sort of have food consistently and stuff like that and later on asuka calls out the second impact generation for being cheap mm-hmm. because misato offers them like it's this one in a million shot to, to have, pull off a success in this mission and she's gonna buy them all a steak dinner if yeah it yeah and, uh, which it's very telling that they the way they react to that too because mm-hmm. shinji and asuka are like yay <laughs> and then as soon as misato's gone they're like steak dinner what the fuck yeah yeah which and I and I've said it before, but I, I my my guess is that the generational stuff that continually comes up with the thing is probably because Anno's parents are of the you know World War Two yep. generation and, and and you know it's interesting in the previous episode when you read that statement from mm-hmm. him that when he's describing the show, the fact that it exists in this future is is the first thing he describes about the show and it's yeah. I think it's it's funny because I think for a lot of people I mean especially when you're younger and you're not really thinking about the context of it. The, the the notion of this being a sort of world that has rebuilt after an apocalyptic event and that it is in the future and things like that, that kind of gets 
lost in the shuffle a little bit uh-huh. in terms of importance because just most anime, you know, or is this in a future world or like yeah, a, you know, and an it's, I mean, Japan is enough of an alternate reality for most Americans. So when we watch <laughs> the stuff, even if it was taking place in the contemporary thing, we don't really think of it that way and but usually it's taking place in some sort of future slightly future thing because there's technology at the very least that we don't have but so for that to be like a key component to him when he's talking about it it does make me think more and more that like the the personal aspects of like his relationship probably to the people in his life and his parents or his family and and how much that that is a very important part of this um it is interesting and that's then there's a lot about that in this because it's you know masato's feelings towards her father shinji's feelings towards his father all that sort of, you know, comes up uh, pretty pretty obviously in this, you know, very, you know. I do like that Shinji, though, sort of defends Misato and, and his, you know, like, well, because Asuka's like, well, why do you, <laughs> you, like, threw that big yay on the thing, and, you know, and, and he's sort of like, well, he wants Misato to feel better about <laughs> putting their lives on the line and stuff like that. Yeah, but because it's I, been... the, the selective lying, you know, mm-hmm. of, like, I don't know, I think it's interesting that he would, that he's very aware of Misato's feelings and wants, you know, when she makes that offer, he wants to make her feel okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real classic Shinji move in a way that I don't think is like bad because I think, you know, he's, he's, a, it's not a doormat move as much no. as it is a calculated uh, empathy move. Yeah. And he's, he's, con- he's trying to be considerate. I think that not recognizing the promotion thing rattled him a little bit and oh, wanted sure. to make him, you know, pay attention to her and, and realize that she's, this is a difficult job because we see that there's this this you know this whole plan that the thing is that the angel appears in space and it's dropping <laughs> pieces, pieces of, itself. of itself that are like basically bombs like it's just sort of like making these craters in the ocean it's getting closer each time so it's yeah. correcting for uh, error and, and it's going to eventually drop itself on yeah it's it just it is just a, 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 a huge bomb so it's a, it's going to suicide mission which itself, I did want to <laughs> point out that we didn't call it out in episode I think nine that both of you dance like you want to win but like it, it's it's played for laughs there but the idea that when they set off the N2 mine or whatever Fiutsky says oh, we're going to have to redraw the map again yeah <laughs> that there's so much like huge uh destruction going on in this show day by day that it just it gets to be an exasperation of like having to redraw maps because the geography is yeah. changing yeah so it's much. like it's destroying patches <laughs> of earth in a significant enough way that... which i don't we, we're talking about plot stuff and i want to but there's a good segue to talk about antarctica because i do want to talk about antarctica yeah. as an yeah. important part of this because that's where gendo and Fudski are Throughout this, this episode. episode, yeah. And so they're down there checking out the site of Second Impact. And they went to retrieve something. Something yeah. that we see wrapped up. Some big, long object all wrapped yeah. up in a tarp on the on the ship, on the battleship. And they don't say anything about what it is. They don't. But we see that they're in a they sea of something. blood, basically. Like, it looks like some old sea testament. Sea red. Like, yes. Well, and those things that are sticking out are not icicles or icebergs. Those are pillars of salt. Mm, which is another interesting biblical, yeah. biblical reference, which is, I mean, you would know probably more about the Bible than I do, but this has to do with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, I think it's, it's like Lot's wife or yeah, something. Yeah, they're, they're an angel or God or something. I can't remember. It communicates to them, you know, like that the city's going to be destroyed and that they can leave, but uh, that they're not allowed don't look to look back. back at the destruction as they're leaving. And Lot's wife, I don't, I mean, it's pride i guess or so i don't know i can't remember what the, the actual lesson is but that that you know that she does it anyways and turns into a pillar of salt um so the idea of looking back and being punished for disobeying god mm-hmm. doing what you're not supposed to um yeah looking back into the past i don't know i think it's the pillar of salt thing has always been a really interesting image to me yeah and Obviously, that's Orpheus stuff of you know you're yeah, going yeah. to get his wife out of the underworld and don't look back, which would have predated the boy. Well, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, they could have influenced each other. Those two stories and those cultures were great floods and you know mm-hmm. Gilgamesh and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So all these precedents for um, parallels in mythology, but which is interesting, yeah, because it's like we talk about the biblical references and and, mm-hmm. and imagery and names and stuff in this, but it is also just this is a a, a show that while it takes place in the future and it, it is it is operating on a kind of scale that is similar to the type of stories of, of global destruction that are popular in most religions and mythologies from that well there's know, plenty early, early of shows civilizations. that yeah there's plenty of shows that are apocalyptic which you talked about and certainly a lot of anime and science fiction shows that have an apocalypse evangelion is to me the one that is the best at having it feel fucking biblical 
mm-hmm. because it ties in this stuff. So, so the apocalypse isn't just like, oh, you know, a meteorite's going to hit the Earth. It's like, no, this a huge being that had giant wings. That's if like the the opening shots of this episode feel like something from the Book of Revelation. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, and the show traffics in that imagery more and more. And so seeing these, you know, pillars of salt and the idea, it's not, you know, there is the idea that the Antarctica, like all, you know, everything melted and yeah. the continent was destroyed. Antarctica is no longer there. It's just this red sea where nothing can live. And Fiatsky even calls it like hell mm-hmm. and they pontificate and stuff that I think is interesting about. Which, you know, the Dead Sea is a very, you know, comes yeah. up a lot in the Bible as well. Fiatsky's like, this is literally the Dead Sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I've just, been to the Dead Sea, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. But making it feel like, it isn't just the end of the world from a scientific perspective, but we're facing an apocalypse that's sort of from a more spiritual and biblical perspective, and that the stuff stuff in the Bible, these old prophecies and stuff, have they're all talking about what's what's potentially going to happen here. This is what we're fighting. We're not we're not just fighting a monster. We're fighting something biblical. You know, the well, beast it, with a thousand yeah, eyes. Exactly. It's yeah, blow the horn and the descriptions of the of the creatures and stuff in the book of Revelation are intangible, mm-hmm. you know, wildly the, 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 you like know. one of the angels in, in one of the somewhere in the Bible is disc- described as crystalline and there's a, a track called a crystalline night sky um mm. from one of the books and you know Romeo certainly looks like a big crystal. So yeah, it's like I, it makes me wonder about. It. I mean, because I don't, I don't, you know, one could assume that, like, say, H.P. Lovecraft, you know, would have been familiar with with the Book of Revelation, and mm-hmm. that, you know, that that the, the concept of the great old ones and the, the you know, the destruction and the, that that probably was influenced by that. He was also just a weird, isolated loner that presumably read <laughs> a lot of stuff, and so it's not just that because he knew about other cultures too and was usually afraid of them for being different. But I it, like it. Cosmic insignificance is obviously a big part of Lovecraft's thing. And the book of Revelation is scary to me because it's like things that are so unfathomable and, you know, the cosmic insignificance Mm -hmm. of of a single human life, you know, sometimes they just, just how weird and psychedelic that. Well, I mean, I I assume if you're going to trace the lineage of Kaiju stuff that, that, you know, old mythologies, the book of Revelation, HP Lovecraft, I mean, I'm not. I made a huge leap right there, but I do think that, like, (laughs) but but I do think that, like, like H.P. Lovecraft was influential as a writer to other people that like weird stuff and like the notion of these big fucked up monster things that are going to destroy everything. I don't know for sure how this all connects, but there is there's some there's something to it, and I don't know. You know, I'm not throwing Lovecraft in here in twelve episodes into this and saying that he was an influence on Anno. I have no idea, but it, it is is a notion of just like the big scale destructive forces with monsters and stuff. It, there's something to it's that. It's something that you're powerless against. Yeah. And that's, what's kind of fun about this show is, you know, taking that idea of like a, a cosmic creature. So powerful. It's like, what if we could make a machine that was that powerful? What if we could, you know, th- they're not just, we've talked about that. They're not just robots. It's like they, they're piloting gods. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what we're starting to get more and more into that shit here. And, and the, uh, the Antarctica stuff is really indicative of that and it really uh, gets me excited and it's some of my favorite stuff but the, uh, they they talk about uh, the first time i watched this i was really hit the idea that uh, gendo is talking about science and they're talking about like no, nothing can live here and then you know Gendo's like but you know we're here we're living mm-hmm. things and we're here and it's it's because of the power of science and science is man's sort of natural ability like when you compare to the angels we're so we're so weak and tiny and compared to the world a single human is so weak and tiny, but the scientific advancements that we've made uh, are such that we have the ability to destroy the world, and we probably are going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is other the other stuff that Anna was talking about was living in a world. I think more than ever, we sort of feel it now. It sort of feels like the world could end at any time. No, that was the other thing I did mention on the last episode when you read the thing. Is it is it hearing his thoughts and describing the emotional state? Uh, uh, personally and, and sort of narratively and stuff of this it does make me think that this show has as much relevance now as it ever did and we've been saying yes. that this whole time that it feels fresh in a way that that it's impossible for me to believe this uh, uh was first released in 1995 and was you know yeah. pre- presumably conceived of many many years before that as he described in that thing but that like you know i think it's it is a good time for this because i think you know 
environmentally, politically, technologically, yeah, yeah. it certainly does feel like in a lot of these characters, it almost feels like we're waiting. We're just waiting for it to happen and we're going to fight as long as we can. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are, <laughs> there are powers at work beyond any of us that are, you know, there's the Zayla is out there uh, or Sele, however you want to pronounce it, but that, you know, and they don't necessarily have your best interests in mind. No, no. I mean, that's that's never been more true or more, I think, just consistently apparent, you know. And so, I, you know, I'm, again, constantly curious to what, yeah. what, you know, yeah, how people are going to connect with this. But to, 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 to pull back from that, like, this, mm-hmm. this episode also, like, you know, sort of in theme with a lot of that stuff, it's presented, at least in the episode, as being kind of the riskiest mission yet you know kind of yes. thing that it is that it that 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 uh uh it's like point zero 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 one percent yeah ritzko sort of confronts masato about the plan and this is basically says like you're gonna you know everyone those kids we're gonna lose all three Avas, we're said, gonna lose the kids don't make others suffer for your personal hatred yeah and she's and she says like this is just all about you you know taking revenge on the angels because of your father and this is and she's like and and i think masato sort of acknowledges that that's a component of it but this is really the only plan they have and the plan right. is that the kids are going to try the, the thing's going to fall the kids are going to within the avis try to catch it and using their at fields to prevent themselves from being damaged as much as possible but that they'll be able to catch it and then kill it and then it won't you know right so work together yeah but, we, it's like, but it's like it's it's but it's so it's so crazy because this thing's fucking enormous it's falling out of the sky there's three of them they don't really it you will know, be a miracle but she says like the best miracles are the ones that you make happen yeah, and they and, and, and there's this whole scene where she that we you know the stake dinner scene that you already mentioned, but where it's like they basically presented to the kids as and it's the first time we've seen it, so that's another way narratively oh, Jesus, that it's yeah. it's communicated to us that this is bad, is that uh, she's like so you know, yeah you like based on our protocols like you have to write a will, which I think is her way of saying like when a mission is calculated to be this risky you are legally, you know, obligated to. Or, you and know. their responses are telling you that Oscar's like, well, I don't need one because I'm going to make it back. Ray's sort of like, well, I don't need one because I don't have anything. Yeah. And then Shinji's like, oh, well, I'm fine too. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he like <laughs> what thinks, they said. He thinks for a second, he's like, yeah, no, no, I'm fine too. And it's just, yeah, yeah like that's that's kind of a, you know a telling thing that's of the three personalities. And so they, so the three of them go, you know, to do this thing together. And um, you know, it's a well coordinated thing. Like we see, it's a lot of action. And, it's fucking you know. great animation. It's every all the Ava's in motion because we saw them all together operating in the previous episode, but they're crawling around in, in yeah. shafts and stuff. And this is like they're running and leaping over high tension wires. You know that that give Godzilla yeah. trouble. Yeah, they um, yeah they they sort of vault it like uh, like athletes. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, good. and so like the, yeah, there's a lot of athletic sort of movement and and weight to the things, which is that stuff that we love as they're all racing to get there in time, and then the really surreal, quasi biblical image of Ava underneath the giant eye coming out of the skies when it breaks through the clouds, and you see it's the clouds so disperse. You get this sense of scale of this thing, and then you see all of them holding it up in the AT fields going, and it's just really exciting and i don't want to talk about the rebuild movies too much but i will say there's a version of this scene in the rebuild movies that is fucking extraordinary and is was it in the first one or it's second in the second one, second one. Okay, uh, yeah. it's maybe my favorite of the because i vaguely remember the second one the one i've sequences. probably seen the least of those um it's 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 interesting and we don't need to get into no, it now no, no, no. but when i think of this scene and the version of it that's in the in uh, eva evangelion 2.0 two two you mm-hmm. cannot advance mm-hmm. um i get so excited about those movies and then i think about mari and <sighs> i get less excited but oh <laughs> uh, yeah this, we're, this, we'll this, save this, yeah we'll it'll be for later some but that's, hardcore we, mari fans we, out there that are gonna be mad at me yeah luke is not one not a fan I, of mari. I don't mind her but um but yeah but the scene in this just as it is we just put it on so we can look at it right now it's, it's just, i'm an asuka fan that's why yes and asuka's not my favorite character but listen justice for oscar no and and that's in in this this you know uh this is a great exhibition of all three the characters and their abilities and and them working together and and you know ray you know like sort of shouts an order to asuka and she doesn't balk at it you know she kind of does she's like i'm doing it yeah but it's like but it's but it's it's like in a like collegial like they're it's the loudest we've ever seen ray yeah like i was like whoa (laughs) he actually raised her voice and it's fun, and there's like Shinji's on point. He's the one that catches it first, and then the other two come to support it, so he can let go, and then he can slice through the AT field and then stab the thing in the eye with the and progressive knife. And he does knife. a good job. 
job. And yeah, and then we get this great scene where it sort of like dies and drapes over them in a really funny way, like like when you put a blanket on top of a dog, <laughs> you know, or something. It looks really funny, and then it blows up and leaves this massive crater. But yeah, the, this, the map. this really, you know, I mean, I got emotional in the scene. It's like it's they're sort of being debriefed afterwards, and they get uh, an audio. You know, uh, Gendo basically calls them from Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, is talking to Masato and, you know, says and she apologizes for the da- the damage. And, you know, he he blows it off and says, no, you did your job and blah, blah, blah. And then he says is the pilot of unit one there. And that is, of course, Shinji. But it's so, so he's speaking to his son directly for the you know first time, you know, not for the first time in a while. But like he's asking to speak to his son, but he's not using calling him by name. And he says, I received the report. Good work, Shinji. Oh. And in good work, Shinji gives me chills when I hear it. <laughs> And and no, now you're now you're making me all emotional. No, and it's it's really beautiful and it's really lovely to see it and and it's it, we we get this scene of them. <laughs> it's all he fucking wants. Yeah, it's all he wants is it's so. He, like last time he called him like oh they're having this like career day thing at school I, like, I left that stuff to Katsuragi <laughs> yeah don't bother me with this again yeah yeah oh, he's, he's effectively like pa- he's he's passed on every aspect of being a parent and a father and like kind of even just like a a, a decent human decent being, human even being a good leader this, uh, yeah, yeah. He's, like, it's completely like has no relationship with his son in any level and so even when he's giving it to him he has to give it to him in a business way and say the pilot of unit one like not yeah. You know, not my son or not Shinji or, you know, whatever. But he does mm-hmm. say, you know, does use his name when he says it. And at the end, we get, you know, it turns out the steak dinner, uh, the kids are the kids are even more sensitive <laughs> to enough. Masato than, than she was being to herself. And they go for ramen instead, in part because uh, Ray, Ray, Ray wouldn't have come. If she, she likes ramen and uh, she, she doesn't, doesn't like pork in her. Doesn't like meat. Yeah. Uh, but so there's this scene of them all eating ramen at a little booth outside. Asuka and does get shark fin, though, which is probably the most expensive item on the menu. Oh, is that true? I've never had that. I would imagine that. that shark fin would be very rare and hard to to get, right? Well, that's but that's, you know. That's probably you know in keeping with her deal. Yes, but we do see uh, like the the kind of happiest he's ever looked in a way in the last shot yeah. of this episode. You know, saying that he f- felt like he finally enjoyed receiving praise when he heard it from his father, and that maybe that's why he's piloting the Ava mm-hmm. is is you know to to make like, presumably without saying it directly, presumably to make his father proud of him mm-hmm. or to please his father. And you know, I mean, there's something that's so nakedly Freudian and so just like. It, it, yeah. it, it, and probably to some extent cultural, I, I would imagine that a lot of, you know, Japanese fathers, especially, you know, salarymen or like, you know, hardworking businessmen might not have as much time for their sons to mm-hmm. like specifically getting praise from a traditional Japanese dad might be difficult. Sure, sure. And I think that that's that's probably a familiar concept to to people certainly uh, the nerds watching this show yeah in Japan. <laughs> yeah well you know if you live in a basement and all you do is read manga and watch anime right and just building models then and... then you probably are hard pressed to have your you know get words of praise from your father um and you know i don't know i mean i don't know enough about ano's personal life to fully speculate on that but if, if you told me that he spent a long time not feeling like he was good enough and then accomplishing mm-hmm. on the level that he did as, a, as an artist in this way like mm-hmm. you know maybe that whether he ever i don't know maybe he never got mm-hmm. that maybe he did it's eventually maybe he yeah, i don't know i don't know anything yeah. about his parents i couldn't anything. i couldn't say <laughs> would love to know but um but yeah that yeah, that's really good and really moving is that i mean that's that's a lot of the plot stuff yeah what are um, some areas of of interest that we haven't uh well i want to uh, they played the misato theme again at the house when they're uh all having the i think when they're having the celebration and i want to point out we've mentioned before that that is my ringtone mm-hmm. but i want to tell you you know i've been watching it with my kids so the show's been on at the house and that my dog ada freaks out every time that theme plays because she thinks my phone is ringing which is uh, the whole other thing of the, is that my dog will freak out when the phone rings and wait until i answer to start barking <laughs> oh that is yeah when she hears because ben will call me all the time for, yeah. for work stuff and so my phone will ring and the second she hears his voice on the other end <laughs> say hello or i say hey or hello that's her cue to start barking so she she hears the the ringtone on the show so and funny will, will, and just so you know she's a welsh corgi adorable so, by the you know, way. and surprise surprise i have yeah. a welsh corgi yeah uh, most on brand thing you ever did was <laughs> and you did it was just like i a, didn't name her ein you didn't i almost named her Faye, but uh but, but yeah, see, you, yeah. seeing her run around in circles desperately looking for the source of that music That's is really funny. hilarious um 
that scene that scene too i'm really tickled by whoever is screaming yeah the, there's this, they, it's there's like almost like a wilhelm scream type thing that just keeps being dropped in well the the scene is and it's a really good scene and that's one i'd very much relate to but uh is there's a they're having a party to celebrate misato's promotion and so toji kensuke hikari asuka pen pen Mm-hmm. They're all there. Ritsuko and uh, Kaji show up eventually, but there's a scene where Misato sort of is sitting by Shinji and it's like, oh, you're still uncomfortable by stuff like this and, you know, being in these groups and these parties and these big social gatherings. And he's like, I'm fine, you know, but he does comment on, like, do they have to be so noisy? And you sort of, like, have these two scenes of the, there's the rest of the party and then there's Misato and Shinji mm-hmm. sort of having this moment of connection. But in the background, there's just like, like everybody's making noise and somebody continues to like scream. Ah! I hope it's Toji. I know it's probably supposed to be pen pen or something. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe it's, it's, it's very funny that it's just this, this looping, uh, you know, um, what do you call it? You know, just like this rabble, rabble, rabble. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a sequence of like, I forget what the, there's a name for that, but yeah. Uh, you know, also in that scene is class rep is at the party. Yes, and they point Hikari. that out again. And uh, and I and I just love I love that so far she's been over at uh, Masato's apartment twice, and every time she is, she always has Pin Pin in her lap. Yeah, and I, I just it, it, it not, this is not important at all, but it's just it's something I like. I just like that, that, that there is there that is a a good shorthand for a character and something because there are people that it just is. like if 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 they're in a room with an animal, the animal is either drawn to them oh, or they're sure. drawn to the animal, and that it's just like it's just like a nice little thing that that character who isn't really that important and in, in, in you gets a little bit more as we go but like she's you oh, know but yeah, uh, asuka's only friend really at this point and like but that they you know that that pin mm-hmm. likes her too i think is cute uh, yeah let's remember that for later because that kind of pays off in a way um let's see if there's other uh, stuff we want to talk about um just in keeping everybody updated on <laughs> on Ki- kid watch evangelion kid oh watch, yeah please I mean, there's not a whole lot to report other than that. So far, we, I think, they've gotten up to episode nine. Both of you dance like you want to win. I think oh, that's, that's a good the last one. That, I'm sure they had fun they with saw. that. So, yeah, they're they're really into it so far, and I'm very curious what's, you know, what's going to happen and how that's going to stack up. But um, they did, they get to watch, so on the weekends, they're allowed to watch stuff on their own upstairs for a little while as they, you know, go to sleep, and they, they chose to the six-year-old wanted to watch Evangelion. Oh, just like so, rewatch episodes. Yeah, they, that they and did. they let them rewatch, and he could watch it dubbed. So mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, you can watch the first disc and, and watch it dubbed. And, and then the other one was reading the Evangelion Chronicle side A. So so they're into that. And then they also made a Shinji in, they made a, a, a me, uh, a Nintendo me character oh, that was yeah. Shinji to play in Super Smash Brothers. That's pretty and fun. So we got in there, we made a Ray, we made a Shinji. And so now they, now they can play I mean, these characters. And uh, we went to, to Hot Topic, and my son and I got matching Evangelion shirts. Oh, is that with us? So, That's one of them that you're yeah, wearing? Yeah, wearing the, the Sakiol Hot Topic shirt. And uh, so now. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> like, it is funny that we were like the two age inappropriate people to go shop at Hot Topic, but it's a, thir- a 38 year old man and a 10 year old boy. <laughs> like, we want these Hot Topic shirts. And it's like. You're supposed to be somewhere in the middle there to shop at Hot Topic, but that's okay. So I mean, do you, so that, I'm assuming that's like, it, like nationwide, like at any Hot Topic is going to just carry. Do they, I Probably. don't know anything about. Yeah, I would, I would imagine so. That's really funny. Curious to see it, yeah, coming back, and it's yeah. I mean, it it definitely hit the zeitgeist here, but in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And you know. Th- predating some some of the things that were a little bit more crossover you know stuff like death note attack on titan my hero academia there's there's sort of these and then of course you know po- dragon ball z and pokemon and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. but like shows that kind of branch out and become part of the american pop cultural landscape mm-hmm. in a way that that overreaches and you know evangelion kind of predated a lot of that at first you know it was just anime it didn't yeah. have an identity of it on its own and i wonder what's going to happen with that this time i feel like it's probably um, i mean i I mean, my guess is somebody, somebody there did. I mean, the the existence of those shirts almost seems to me like it probably is similar to the existence of this podcast, which is just somebody cashing had the in. idea to <laughs> yeah, cash in on this thing. Well, and it's a world. You know. We talk. It's a worldwide release that yeah. they're doing, so it's going to be on Netflix all over the world. So I, I'm sure that whoever holds the license now uh, is 
I guess that would be Kara. I don't know. It's, the studio Kara is is Ano's new animation studio that's doing the rebuild movies. Um, but I don't know who who has who's making money off of all this shit. But there's yeah. definitely designer shirts and stuff in Japan. Um, a couple other things, just note things that I had had written down from previous episodes. As I love, we've seen it. I think we might see it in this episode. We definitely saw it on the one before. Is the heat haze that when they're outside? Oh yeah. That that there are shots where there's a heat haze given to the animation that really and so c- coupled with the cicadas. Yeah, really it's that, it's that atmospheric stuff that yeah feels so fucking hot. Like just watching and you're hearing the bugs chirp and then seeing them walk down these concrete streets with like the haze of the heat in front of it. It's like oh god, I feel sweaty just looking at it. Which is a nice... No, but uh, multiple, completely unrelated, but multiple people I follow on Instagram are in Japan right now Uh and just watching, like, mundane Instagram stories of people, like, shopping and walking walking around and stuff. Just, it it makes me nostalgic for being there, but it also does always just remind me of those kind of details on this show. It's not super hot. Is it super hot this time of year? It wouldn't be... No, I mean, not not the heat thing specifically, but just just, just that the atmospheric details of this show, that just being one of them, that, like, reminds me of the thing. desperately want to go back, and I want to go back this summer while Universal Studios Japan has uh, Evangelion and Shin Godzilla attractions. I think you should try and do that. And uh, Attack on Titan as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to be able to do that. I could see that potentially being in the cards, you know. Hopefully. Um, Something else I want to talk about, since I just brought up Studio Kara and, uh, you know, Gainox stuff, is that there are several Gainox employees, including Shinji Higuchi, that after the Nadia film... um, the Secret of Blue Water movie mm-hmm. happened. They they went on. Gonix didn't work on the Secret of Blue Water movie. They just did the show. But mm-hmm. they uh, went on and they they found Studio Gonzo. Do you remember Studio Gonzo? Mm, no. In the nineties, they produced a lot of major anime. Um, and that so that was that, that was Gainax expats. So stuff like Samurai Seven, and oh. Gons, really Studio Gonzo and Bokurano, which we've oh. brought up on the show before. Yeah, Gons and Bokurano are two of, of, I mean, we share them mutually, but but just, you know, uh, me personally, like, there's some of my favorite anime. And I don't think, it, I don't know if Bokurano, has it ever been officially released? Yeah, it's here? on Crunchyroll. Aha. Bokurano is on Crunchyroll right now. I, I, I meant to do this. We had a short episode. How, how are we doing on time? Oh, let's do it now. We had a short episode a while ago, this and is, I, I kind of wanted to, like, stick this on the end of that, but... And I, I think it'll work on this one. Yeah, I... I mean, I just wanted to talk about just anime in, in general and some mm-hmm. of the other shows that we like, because I know, obviously, you're listening to this podcast, you are a discerning anime fan yeah. with, with good taste and that you like Evangelion. Because not, not everybody does, and it's fine, and to each his mm-hmm. own. Part mm-hmm. of the appeal of it, with a lot of things, is um, that it is not for everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like part of, the, part of the appeal of Evangelion is that like this is a thing that not everybody's going to understand. It feels like it's made for you. Um, there's a, actually a Japanese culture critic. I want to pull up his uh, stuff, and I, and I should have had him on hand to reference, but he had a quote that was like, the show is such that it is... This, I'm going to bring him up because uh, he writes articles on all sorts of awesome shit. But that, that the appeal of Evangelion is that it does feel like the show is made exactly for you. Yeah. And and part of that is that it that it is it gets difficult and it gets dense and it gets confrontational emotionally and in a lot of other ways. But... If you like Evangelion, you know, uh, I, I, I think we have something in common. So I just wanted to talk with you about just anime in general and what were some other series or shows that, 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 you know, that appealed to you. Well, I think we've, we've, I think we've mentioned it on this podcast and it, we've, we've talked about it uh, in different public settings before, but that there was, there was a, there was a kind of beautiful period right after college. Cause like, you know, Evangelion was like one of the first things I really loved and, and, you know, anime was you know it was expensive it was somewhat hard to come by um you know uh netflix had some stuff but like we talked about before you had that that anime well netflix streaming wasn't even a no but netflix the discs oh so so you know so in college in like netflix the discs yeah like back when you used to actually you know mail things and stuff like so um I, I've mentioned it before, like, in, I, I lived for a period of time in college and right after college uh, with our mutual friend, the uh, director, Kevin Phillips. We were roommates and, we, you know, we were creative uh, partners and uh, we would, you know, get as much of this stuff as we could get. And, yeah. and, and so that we, that we talked about Satoshi Kon uh, before mm-hmm. that, like, Paranoia Agent 
and Millennium Actress. And Perfect Blue at the time was like impossible to fucking get. Perfect Blue just got a nice new release yeah, that I need, I need to get. I need to get it because Perfect Blue was one of those ones that I it took me forever to actually get a hold of it. And it it now is one of my favorite by far. I think it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's really really love it. But this was around that this was right before it's Paprika funny. came out or something. And so like so I love Perfect Blue, but I think it's my least favorite Satoshi Kon. Really, oh, yeah. I just I think it's so great. I I I mean it's funny how much uh, Aronofsky takes from it. But yeah, oh whole, yes, I mean like yeah. individual shots and stuff like repeated in different movies. Yeah. And, and it's in just cool it's way. just the meanest. Oh, like, absolutely. Like uh, compared to like Millennium Actress and paprika i'll have a lot of like you know or tokyo godfathers for fuck's sake have like tons of heart to them um but perfect blue is just a stone cold thriller oh i, I love <laughs> yeah. it i think i think it's just because that 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 is almost more rare in the anime genre that it is kind of like a it's almost like a 90s mm-hmm. erotic thriller oh yeah just done as an anime which is just you know i mean i'm sure there's other ones like that and there's, got, there's some surrealistic score. touches and stuff oh, yeah. the score's amazing i mean you gave me the score before i was able to see the movie i used to listen to the score oh. all the time but but yeah, so at the, the time, score's on vinyl now too. Oh shit, I should get that. Yeah, but like so, so you know, it was like right after like in college, like you know, Kevin and I were watching uh, Evangelion, obviously, you know, uh, a lot, and then we were getting the Satoshi Kon stuff when we could get it. Um, obviously, you know, all the ones that we mentioned on the other episode when we talked about, you know, like the the the, all the, the, the hits in the classic era, like you know, Akira and Ghost in the Shell and Ninja Scroll and all that stuff. But then there was this beautiful period, right. After that, mm-hmm. around two thousand six, seven, eight ish, where like Netflix streaming was this thing that was announced but didn't fully exist yet. It was <laughs> it was it was like in beta testing on PCs. So oh. if you had a Mac, you couldn't use it, but if you had a PC, it was sort of worked with the thing. But there was all these streaming sites that would that we've you know I know we've talked about this, so I apologize if I'm explaining it again. But it was like people who would DVR new anime episodes. And then uh-huh. do their own fan subs, and then upload them. This was oh, in right. the height of like sort of the Blogspot days, the Mega and Upload days, TV links, and TV links. yeah. And it, TV links was the big one, but these sites would get shut down by the FBI or whatever, and then another site would sort of replace it, and it would always be sort of a janky, and they were terrible quality. It was like Which, three, and I don't, yeah, I don't. This is in no way a uh, condoning pirating anything. No, no, I'm not advocating piracy, but at the time. Because because we were we were not quite yet in the media landscape that we live in now with with streaming being the the, yeah. the, the ape, you know the foremost sort of delivery system, this was a sort of it was weird to have the pirate version almost working better than the official version was was able to do and, and it was because it was like a, you know done in all these weird it was it was really stupid and the video quality was terrible and and you know things would the links would go away there was no there's no customer service you know you're you're operating you know you're trying to find mm-hmm. oh this this particular user always has the best quality things so you want to get you know uh Gundam guy 740s uploads cuz his are better than uh-huh. you know whatever you know Akira fan 419 had posted <laughs> that day or something and it was like it was very like you know I was watching it on a laptop and it, but it was it suddenly felt like for the first time that the buffet table what, was open. What is the show? <laughs> no, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a bunch of them. It was, uh-huh. like, it was, like, it was like suddenly oh, okay. you could just try things out. Uh-huh. So Death Note was like one of the big ones. Then Bokurana was another one. And those, those are two that I watched all of and loved. Mm-hmm. But I was also just sort of like sampling other things. And that was where I started watching Gurren Lagann, but I didn't like it. And then years later, you guys all watched it and were like, no, you're wrong. And I was like, oh, yeah, I only watched Gurren one L- episode. Gurren Lagann is the like, like, Feel good version of Evangelion, which I, I'm dying to see it now. But yeah, I mean, like, what was, so yeah, Bokurano was, Bokurano is probably the most like emotionally impactful one, which we almost pitched and then I backed away from. But I think it's fine to sort of tell people Whatever, that Bokurano yeah. is about a group of children who have to pilot a giant robot to fight off other giant robots. But the the trick of it is that every time you if you pilot this giant robot, you die. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a large group of children, but but each time one of them takes the helm and operates the thing, it means you're gonna die. So it becomes <laughs> this really elegant, you know, beautiful, brutal exploration of uh, mortality from the perspective of children, and it feels very much like I know when I I read The Long Walk when I was like 16 years old, oh, yeah, Richard yeah. Bachman, Stephen King, The Long Walk, and just went into an existential crisis, and I think that show really captures the feeling of when you're coming of age, specifically that you're old enough to sort of recognize your own mortality and start thinking deeply about that you're not going to live forever. 
and it puts it all in you know this and they're even giant younger. robot show. They're younger kids than they are in even getting right? they're like tw- they're pretty well. pretty young. Well, it's a variety of ages too because yeah. they're all sort of at this beach house together, and you know this. It's but a class it, trip, I think. It's uh, I can't remember the specifics of it. I'm dying to watch it again, like in decent quality. I'm glad yeah. it's up on Crunchyroll. Um, the manga was some of it was translated here, but it's very hard to find. But it's if you know, in some ways, I I I, I get angry when people recommend things. That it's like, well, if you like Buffy, then you'll like Charmed. You know, it's like, well, I see on the surface how this is kind of the same sure, thing. But, sure, sure, yeah. And there is some overlap, but it's, you know, don't recommend things to me without knowing exactly how and why I like something. So I don't want to say, like, if you like Evangelion, you'll like Bukurana. But there are aspects of it, the darker aspects of it, and a giant robot show that goes to those places. Well, no, I mean, I remember, when you, I think you called me um, back in the days when text wasn't the main way people reached out to things. <laughs> you called me on, and, and you were like, I just heard about this new show that's up on TV links. It's about these kids that all, you know, uh, pilot this thing together, but each time one of them dies. Like, you pitched it in well, that yeah, I, I version. I heard about it from, I think it was like Ask John on like Anime News Network or something. Somebody asked a question about like, is, what is Bocarano, the new Evangelion? And they like sort of explained what the show was about. And I was like, well, this sounds fucking great. And it was like, you hadn't even seen it at all. I think you just knew no, that like I just that, knew the that pitch. pitch enough. And you knew that that pitch would sell to me. In this, because of the Evangelion, just we we're like spiritually, this has to be at least worth checking out. And then it, you know, it ended up being something that we were watching it, and we really loved it. And so those ones, and then around the time, as we mentioned before, the Red Red Toji's, you know, weekly anime watching at your house, Gaunt's, and the Melancholy of Harui Suzumiya mm-hmm. were two were two the the two big standouts for me from that era. And and Gaunt's, in a huge way, I mean, Gaunt's is funny because like I, I I you know I got it again. Uh, the DVDs not you know a couple years ago and I hadn't seen it in a while and the animation is not nearly as good as it's not up to the quality of, of a lot of these other things there's a there's a certain kind of almost like flash Gaunt's, animated quality well, to some yeah, of the, it the, 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 I mean the Gaunt's manga is interesting and I'd love to read more of it the pacing on the anime is so <laughs> stretched out mm-hmm. not the fact like, like stuff's not happening but it's like if somebody's you know, dying, it will take them like five minutes to die. <laughs> like, kind yeah. of keep cutting back to people's straining faces. It's a little bit of that Dragon Ball pacing that everyone's so familiar yeah. with that yeah, we yeah. all kind of grew Good up point. on. But I, I, so, so of all those, like, like to, to, from that era, Death Note was like probably the, you know, the A plus wide, you know, mainstream, like, this could totally, this is a thing people would like. This is a cool concept. This mm-hmm. would work in a context outside of anime. Yeah, Death Note was, a, you know, like a that, Shonen Jump book. Like, that, like that's a. Yeah, that know. was the big, the blockbuster hit, you know, of that mm-hmm. era. Bokurana was the one that probably, on an emotional, personal level, really, like, got to me and was like, yeah, this is powerful. And, and It's hard to shake. And yeah. yeah, and you think about aspects of it a lot, and it's, it's weird. But Gantz was one of the ones that just like, I just had so much fun with it, and it was so fun. Gantz <laughs> it's is so, so surreal. It's so disgusting yeah, so... and weird, and, and sometimes you're just like, you don't even know, you know you just feel strange about something, but you can't even really put your finger on it. And it's, you know, it's violent, and it's, it's, it's um, you know, sexually, you know, a little bit, you know, oh, it's the most taboo. exploitation. Yeah, it's it's very like a like the kind. Of, if Gantz was a movie the from the seventies, Quentin Tarantino movie. would be screening it all the time at you know, the New yeah. Beverly or something like that. That's, like, yeah. it's it's it fits into that in a in a really unique uh, way. And that I guess that Th- that's one I want to do as a live action. Thing, Absolutely, I just I just because it's like a an exploitation movie on you know to the nth degree, and I just would love to have. Juju's song "Dear God, I Hate Myself" be like yeah. the theme of of the movie because it's just it's about you know angry kids. You know, they the lead just hates you know he hates himself and everybody else, and uh, is given this power suit. Well, there was some, <laughs> and I I remember there being some. It's not direct because it's different, but there was some. It's like the Matrix meets. God, like a Harmony Korine movie or something. Like, yeah. it's like so I, gross. Paul, but there's Paul Verhoeven qualities to it. Yeah, there is. You know, Starship Troopers and RoboCop and stuff like that. But I remember early. Well, on because the guns have a delay, so if you shoot somebody <sighs> with a Gantz gun, they they're fine, and then like they explode. Five seconds later, they explode. Which I just like. Just yeah. There's so there's so, 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 so when you watch it now, there are scenes where the animation feels particularly cheap, but then there's other scenes where it's like really really good. But and I remember early on when we were. Um, writing uh the screenplay for our, our our movie super dark times that we did with with uh kevin uh-huh. uh i remember talking about 
the two guys, the two main characters in Gonson, uh-huh. that, like their relationship and they're being, it's not direct. If you've seen that movie, the movie that we wrote and you've seen Gonson, I don't know that there's an immediate cause more people will go to Akira probably. But mm-hmm. I remember having some reference to, to that and, in in you know, yeah. like pulling, there's just like certain, cause it's not, sometimes the things you take from these things aren't like the fucked up aliens or the violence or the, you know, sexy women and stuff. Sometimes it is like a little, a little touch of a character moment totally. in, in this stuff about that particular main character being kind of like a, kind of a shithead guy who, who at his heart has the capacity to, to be so, somewhat heroic, but just generally refuses that. And his other friend who is like pretty, like outstandingly a good guy having so much respect for the potential yeah. he believes is in the, there's just, it's just, I don't know. There's, there's a, so there was a lot of formative stuff in those, you know, in those shows that like in this period after film school and before moving to Los Angeles, cause I, mm-hmm. I moved to Los Angeles in 2009 and that was kind of the beginning of, of our attempts at having a real career. But when I look back at it and go that like, well, I saw Evangelion at, you know, 15 and then continued to renew that interest, you know, every couple of years with either with you and other friends or watching it with Kevin a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And, and then, but that like in college, anime was harder to come by in general. And then right after college, just, I spent a lot of time. And, and, and that was when I got into the Miyazaki movies. Cause I had seen oh, spirited away in the theater, yeah. uh, way, way, way before that. But then it was like, suddenly those were more available and I was watching those. And well, before you leave behind gods, there's a recent one that we both actually watched, and I watch a lot more anime than you, but mm-hmm. I was able to get you into uh, Inuyashiki, which is oh based God. on a manga by the same that guy That fucking amazing. Hiroya yeah. Oku. And uh, Inuyashiki is available on Amazon Prime right now. And yeah, and, and everybody s- should watch Similar that. to uh, Gantz in that, and <laughs> yeah. Evangelion, in that the hero is not who the hero should typically be and I th- in a and, show like this. And, and just, uh, just that, that one, I think, the, the opposite, the, the animation in that one, I think, is really strong. I think that that's Constantly a, fan- and it's, it's paced really better well. better production value, and it's, it and it's, it's short, it's fun. It's the first one, but it's also like super. It has the most upsetting home invasion scene I think maybe I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, it's horrifically disturbing. It also one of the other most disturbing things is it was the first non-American, non-comedy media I had consumed, if I'm remembering correctly, that features President Trump. Oh, in the thing. It yeah. towards the end of the thing, and I was watching because it was right after the election or something. It was crazy, and it was like I was watching it, but it's like you, we're, again, we're so used to anime always being released here at, at such a delay that like yeah. there's no cultural reference to like our present day, and that was the first that they just cut to like the president speaking about, and it was like it's like they don't say his name, but it's like a crude, yeah, yeah, fat yeah. looking, <laughs> and I was like on this couch that we're sitting on right now, like watching it late at night around Christmas, in 2017, I guess, and was just jaw dropped and just like, it was like the most surreal thing to be watching an anime thing and have them have like sort of got to that where they're going to have a, a reference yeah. to this yeah. current American political stuff. So that, yeah, it's a very topical show, but yeah. yeah. And it's very disturbing, but it's also very fun because it is about an old man who gets like robotic superpowers. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a depressing great. old salary man who, uh, can fly around like Iron Man, but he just does it in like his underwear. Like he's like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like make a super suit. His body. He's just he's just an old dude that flies around. And but but with this like it is played with a straight face and it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, me. I highly recommend that. Oh man, and the villain is the worst villain. Yeah, it is an excellent show. Yeah, yeah. So I I mean I just you asked the question and I answered long. We've probably done enough that we can. We can call it a day here. Okay, uh, I'll answer next time. Yeah, because you, you, well, it'll take another twenty minutes probably. But sure. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Uh, see you next time. Yep. <laughs>